What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode four of the No Boundaries podcast. I'm sitting here with three pretty ominous fellas right here. Need no introduction. We've got the big fella, Nick Kyrgios, James Frawley to my right. And we've got our first guest that I'm extremely excited to announce, Elliot Loney, sitting at the desk now. How are you doing, big fella? Mate, it's an honor to be here. That's the first thing I can say. Um, known you guys for a long time. And, uh, <laughs> all I can say is I do not deserve to be wearing this jersey whatsoever. I'm the worst basketball player in Australia. But you were balling last week. Yeah, but went balling, quote-unquote. Like, you had a couple of buckets. You're not that bad. You're pretty athletic. Oh, I don't know about that, Nick. He's just been nice. But, like, bro, like, I don't know. I was... well, one thing I've noticed about Elliot is he tends to be bit too negative on yourself at times. And if I had your if I had your body, I'd be the most positive guy. I'd be <laughs> like, oh, well, geez. <laughs> well, I mean, whenever we're out, I mean, there's like girls just hanging off your arms, mate. <laughs> just cheating him up. I feel phenomenal, mate. I'm going to walk out here like Anthony Joshua. <laughs> No, but in all honesty, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to be able to sit down like us four together and just like chew the fat, to be honest. Yeah, guys, we're definitely lucky to have Elliot here. Very good friend of the show. Good friend of all of us. Um, come down for a training block. We're very lucky to have a rig like this with us all while we're training. Just ups the camaraderie of the boys. So. Heavy, heavy. You know, we've touched on a little bit of how long we've all known each other in the set. Well, not really, but... If we go deeper into how long we've all known each other, Loney and I, we've, we've got a bit of a past, you and I. We go back, mate. We go back pretty pretty far. From your memory, I, for me, I think I was like, I feel like I get younger and younger every time we tell the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're in the same ward when we, we, we got born. Like, I, was, I, was, I was like, where, where? <laughs> but from your recollection, what, you know, what can you remember? Like, we kind of got linked to what maybe me being nine. Well, we had the same shots of tennis coaches. Up, mate. Shout out, <laughs> <laughs> no, and we had the same coaches, and obviously we're obsessed with tennis growing yeah. up. And I remember I actually gave Babs his first drink, and I think I told you boys that. And uh, I gave him like half a cruiser, and the guys yeah. doing cartwheels on the ceiling. Mate. He was always <laughs> nut. My dad was low key pissing himself, but half livid at the same time. I don't think he was too happy, but Pete's a good man. So shout out, shout out Pete. he didn't go too hard on me, which was nice. But yeah, yeah Babs and I go way back. And yep. Yep. Um, well, I think I met Kiggs through Cocky, mm-hmm. and then through Kiggs, I met Frawls. But mm-hmm. I guess playing tennis. You know, obviously you guys playing at a higher level than me, but still playing at a decent junior level. You know, you hear names. Like, I obviously was aware of you guys well before, you know, you ascended to the dizzying heights of the uh, Futures and Challenges circuit. And, of course, the ATP circuit with the canon. So, <laughs> so you know, I was made aware of you guys quite early on. So, you know, you hear these names at tournaments, it's in the drawers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known you the longest, but I knew you guys were ominous operators before I met you. So, you know, no, so it's been a while. Yeah. Starting with tennis, Loney. Start from the start with you. Not a lot of people know about you being a tennis player, actually. So tell us when you start, how far did you go with it? Mate, uh, to be honest with you, man, I've said this a few times, mate. Like, before I started playing tennis, man, I was an absolute gimp, hey? Like, I, I was just like, I was just the weirdest operator. I used to sit in my cupboard and just like talk to myself. I was an only child growing yeah, up and say, yep. I never really uh, gave sport a crack. And I always thought that I was just like uncoordinated and just like, you know, just an absolute inept gimp. And then like... <laughs> So one day I just picked up a racket and I fell in love with the sport and played like every single day. But I was quite late, man. I think I was like almost 10, uh, 10 or 11 when I picked up my first racket. That's the first time you ever like struck a ball. Right. Straight, straight to Marcus. Yeah, straight. Okay. No, straight to Nick Moray and then Marcus oh, okay. right, right, shortly okay. thereafter. But um, yeah, so from tennis, it literally saved my life, man, because like, you know, I realized from then like, I started getting more integrated in sport generally mm. and like got into football too. I was no good at football, got into basketball, no good at basketball, got into hockey, I was no good at hockey, but I felt like I hit a decent tennis ball. So um, There's nothing wrong with your serve. 
That's yeah. for sure. You got a fair bowl. Fair goosey with it. And forehand yeah. line, and forehand line. Slaps the forehand line. Yeah, especially off the feed. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes Marsh. <laughs> Just struts to the next side. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But that's basically how I found tennis. And um, yeah, like I owe the sport so much because, you know, if it wasn't for tennis, I wouldn't have met some of my closest mates. Like, you know, you guys, Cocky, you know, these guys that I've become so close with, mm -hmm. it's all been through being integrated with tennis and being a lifelong, you know, lover of the sport. I just yeah. love, I love the sport. You say it every yeah. day. You're like, mate, you love tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, you love this game so much. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> you just like strut off. It's <laughs> true. And like, you know, in terms of like with your tennis, so like, did you play tournaments? Like part, like, did yeah. you did you start going like what until like 17, 18 or? We stopped playing seriously when I was like nineteen years old. Maybe okay. um, I played Pizzy Cup, which I'm quite proud of. Yeah, yeah. Um, sledged a few people there. <laughs> and uh... to be honest, I didn't even know you like played tennis to that level at all. Yeah, yeah. I just thought like when I met. Well, when you first met, yeah, him. when I when I when I met Loney, I thought he was just in person, like does impersonations, like comedian. I knew he did a bit of stand up. And when I saw you impersonating, I was like, that's I didn't actually know you played tennis and loved the sport the way you. Yeah. yeah. That's something that definitely was new to me now, which is pretty cool because. Yeah. I didn't know you had a tennis background, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. which is mad. Well, that's why, like, obviously, I relate to you guys so much. And, like, any tennis player, really, despite the journey or how high they ascend to, like, yeah. I just relate with it. Like, I understand the rigors of the tour. I understand the rigors of the sport. So whenever I meet someone who plays tennis, regardless of their level, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I just feel the camaraderie straight away. Yeah. It's like if you guys, you know, I know you guys are massive NBA fans as well. Like, if you see someone who plays NBA or another fellow tennis journeyman, yeah, yeah. I guess we could say. Absolutely. Well, in my, in, uh, from my perspective, journeyman. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not you guys. You guys all have cannons. But, <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, that's the way I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Don't talk yourself down, Loney. You're doing a training block with a top... 20 player over here, yeah. ready for AO. You never know, you could get a WC. You could get the call up. Of course, out there playing Quay Vassal at court 21, like, what heck? Well, what do you reckon, Kicks? How do you reckon Cocky would take it if you just said to him, mate, I'm playing with Loney this year, I've decided? Yeah, I mean, Thanasi would, he'd be, in, he'd be laughing, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you have improved. The, the improvement in the last couple, like, month, I think. This little block that we've had here, like, I mean, compared to the start, like, even myself, because we both came out of lockdown, but like right now it's crazy yeah. bro well man it helps so much like i'm honestly just a sponge you know it's like a, it's honestly like no smoke like it's a privilege being on the call with you guys because like you know what i mean i'm used to playing with no 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 i'm used to playing with genuine choppers like i go out there and i for my own comfy i literally try and get the worst players i can to play with me just so i can dice them up and just walk around like this but you know getting on court with you guys is quite humbling i'm getting snipped every time you know, I'm basically, when we're playing points, I'm holding kicks by the ankles, giving the biggest <laughs> handicap. Kicks is like, it's all right, Lonely Man, next point, it's all right, mate. It's all, it's all really... oh, I might play the next five, mate, all right? You stand there. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's good because every now and then, like, kicks will give me, like, a nugget of knowledge. You'll be like, mate, you know, you need to do this. And I just soak it up, man. It's awesome. Like, yeah. you know, being on a court with someone like him and, and you guys, you know what I mean? Every now and then, Frawls give me tips on his back, my backhand, too. So is Babs on the two E. Like, yeah, you keep, you seem to change in between that one E and a two E. Like, are we going to see you just stick to one? With the coaching advice is pick pick a fucking stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either put two hands on the stick or one of them. <laughs> well, I just don't know what to do. Because I feel like you shank a one and then you're like, do it. And then you shank it two, you're like, one <laughs> I just shank everything. Well, what the fuck is it? <laughs> but yeah, to, to answer the question, like it's yeah. obviously just awesome being able to get that sort of nugget of knowledge or those that yeah. pieces of advice. Like Ooh. I take them on board and, you know, I respect all of you guys. So when you give me some, you know, pointers, I'll take them on board. I feel like for me though, maybe I feel like you guys feel the same, but 
for me, like, you know, even when we just, like, sit here and talk shot with, like, Loney, like, tennis-wise, right? Kind of sick because, like, he can relate to, like, the stuff. Like, he's been around the game, like, obviously at the highest level too, trained with us on the court. But, like, obviously, like you said, you're like, I didn't really feel like you knew him as a tennis player, but it still kind of feels like he is one, yeah, yeah. if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like, well, definitely this training block, like, we're going in the gym, we're going on court. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've I've travelled with you. For the people watching, like we did Montreal together. We've been to some pretty cool places, done some pretty questionable things. Pretty vibey. Yeah. Um, pretty vibey. We've had a lot of fun. But um, you know, I just didn't. I honestly had no idea that you played. Like, yeah. And it's that's awesome to know. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. And um, yeah, going back to what you were saying earlier about Montreal, mate. Some of the best memories of my life, literally, were, were from that. From yeah, that time. Was, so. A couple of those got uploaded on IG. The yeah, other day. yeah, yeah, yeah. A little throwback. What 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 was the concert you guys? Oh, I'll play with a f couple other Aussies there too, though. Yeah, yeah. Thanos, we had no, no Fanasi wasn't there. Yeah. That Reedy, no Reedy. Yes, Reedy was Reedy. there. Stephen Mount, Reedy. Uh, as James Scully, my mate yeah, from yeah, yeah. Um, high school, and uh, I think that was was that it. That was a crew there at yeah. that night. I think that yeah. was unbelievable. That was a, yeah. that was the best concert I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was cold yeah. Shoshana, <laughs> shout out Shoshana. Who the fuck is that? We don't know. Shout out, ooh, Paris. Bro, I can't relate to these. You guys got some dark secrets. Some heavy stuff here. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I went to a place to get a massage. I end up giving a massage. Let me put it that way. Shout out Montreal, mate. A great city. Really? Great yeah. city. We love Montreal. Transitioning from, you know, your tennis playing days, you finished high school. And then, you know, what was next for you after like you kind of just walked, not walked away, but... Because you stayed coaching, right? Yeah, I started coaching a little bit. And to be honest with you, man, I was pretty lost because like, I was probably a little bit delusional like most juniors are. Like I thought to myself, I'm going to be number one in the world. <laughs> and I was getting snipped up by grade five pennant players. I started to rethink it. But your coach is still telling you you're on the right path and shit as they do. Tyrell's like, mate, you're going to be world number one. <laughs> He's selling me the dream. <laughs> but like, but honestly, mate, like I just knew at that point I was like, realistically, I'm not going to make it. You know what I mean? Or maybe if I kept playing, I would have got a point. But you guys know how hard it is. Like mm. one point means nothing. You know it's what I mean? So um, even one point's a scrap. Yeah, even yeah, one even one point's an absolute scrap to get there. But I mean, in terms of making money, the Ooh. overall scheme of things, one point, you know. It's not going to take you anywhere. No. Yeah. So I had to seriously think about what I wanted to do. I was a bit lost for a while there. And so I did like a personal training course. I was a PT for a while. Right. And then I just started focusing on my rig and I got myself in really good shape. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then, wait, wait, we could tell. <laughs> <laughs> but then one of my mates hit me up. He was doing topless waitering. He's like, mate, do you want to get into some topless waitering? And I was like, yeah, 100%, mate. That sounds unbelievable. You didn't start it for a second. Like you just straight into it. Straight into it. I was 19 years old, just finished tennis. Didn't know what to do. Wasn't overly keen about doing uni at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I'd taken a gap year after high school, I thought to myself, you know what, why not? You know, 50 bucks an hour to walk around, yeah. topless serving drinks with like, you know, hot girls basically. Yeah. Just I rubbing like, oil on you. No, I was like, sign me up. <laughs> didn't even have my RSA. They were like, can you make us a drink? I was like, no, nah, I love it, I can do it. <laughs> take it. Just straight vodka shots. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. So then from there, I actually got into uh, male stripping for a little while. Um, retired, hung with the G-string, but it was an amazing time. <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing time, had, had, had a phenomenal career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's obviously like, you know, it's an out of the out of the norm kind of like gig. Like not everyone can basically say that they're a topless waiter or, you know, like a male stripper. Like I, I can't wear that badge, you know, like that would like, we'd give you a lot of comfy though. Like, you know, walking into a room or like, being around like women and stuff like because some people struggle with that heavy to be honest and i know we we spoke off air about potentially jumping into some relationship stuff later on and yeah. 
to, to go, we'll delve into that later, but yeah, I, my bad. heart got broken real bad and I was in like a long-term relationship through like lady, later stage high school and stuff, like, like basically two and a half, three years with this girl mm. and I fell for her so hard and then I had my heart broken. She just cheated on me with her ex and I found out about it and I was just so ice cold, man, for a while. And I needed something to help me get over it. Yeah, so I was like pretty heartbroken and stuff and so I thought it'd be a good way to get over my ex and uh, yeah. sure as fuck was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any like off the top of your head like some stories that you could just reel off from those like what topless waitering or like you well, know male stripping nights kind of thing to be honest with you and this is a difficult thing for me to talk about because i don't want to make this like a gender thing but i guess like well it's relative to to the story yeah. to the story typically speaking mm -hmm. most people would think that guys probably cheat more than women would you say that i mean yeah that's a fair statement i think society would slam males it, one thing that i noticed from doing that is like it completely changed my perspective on that because when i, I was so young just walking into this new industry i didn't know anything didn't know anyone mate the amount of women that i would watch cheat on their husbands their fiancés their boyfriends their partners like it completely got their rings on they got their wedding rings on that's like crazy. literally while they're notching off the strippers in the lap dance room wow. like it's mate like i cannot i cannot explain to you is this just on the hens nights or like full-blown married i'll explain a little bit further yeah. into this so like it is hen, hens nights essentially okay. but when you think that you think just the hen no it's like the bridal parties sometimes girls would come to celebrate their 21st sure. you know their whatever sure. Ma maid of honors too yeah maid of honors it wasn't just weddings because yeah. it was a stage show they'd come to celebrate birthdays yeah. girls would just come because they were curious they wanted to watch have a laugh yeah. Um, but it they were just really kind of coming for EJ to be honest at one point <laughs> but to be honest with you like I think now being a little bit older like I, I'm, I'm not as a bit more switched on with it yeah like I think the, the best way for me to describe it is like for a long time I just I lost a lot of trust in women mm. like I, I actually it completely changed my perspective in that way but then like I met obviously a few really good chicks yeah. and I know that not all girls are like that only 85% of them <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to fall but, into that but, but yeah. when, when you see that and when you're exposed to that at such a young age I had trust issues for a long time yeah. um, obviously like I've I've come past that now. I can safely say that. Like I've met some really great chicks who have like, you know, instilled my trust in women again. Mm. But I tell you what, like it was for the first, like for my early twenties, mate, I just, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't get some of the things I saw out of my head, man. Mm, like it was just, it, it was demons, real big demons. Yeah, so, right. yeah. And you'd be seeing it all the time. Like there wouldn't just be like a one-off, I feel. I feel like you'd be, it's like. Relentlessly. And, and I'll tell you what the worst part was. I can, I wish I had a dollar for how many times I'd seen an instance like this. Like I'd seen a girl sleep with a male stripper or. You saw it. Yeah, wait, like it would happen backstage. Jesus Christ. I'd watch their husbands or their fiancés or their up. boyfriends pick them up. You're kidding. Kiss them on the lips and be like, how was it, honey? Like, how was it? And I would sit there, I would watch. Bro, that makes me angry hearing it. Sit there and I'd just be like, mate, like I just. I couldn't believe it. And one of the most incredible things that I will never forget was how amazing they were at just covering it up. Like so you could devious. not tell. You could so not devious. tell. Yeah, it was amazing. In terms of deviacy, like I feel like women take it up a notch with that. Like, you know, in terms of just like that. Like, I don't know, from my own personal experience, like I've had plenty of friends do that. I've had people not do that too and being on the cheated side. But like girls seem to, you know, do what you just explained then, like leave a club like that, you know. I think to be honest, like both men and women can be really- They do it differently though. They do it differently though, I think. In some respects, absolutely. Yeah. I can agree to an extent, but I think in some ways, like men can be very deceitful. Women can be very deceitful, but being as young as I was and naive as I was, 
I never thought women were capable of it at the time. So sure. that's why it was so shocking to me because sure. I used to think guys are the ones that do that. Guys are the ones that manipulate. Guys are mm. the ones that are deceitful. But then that made me realize, hey, everyone's the same out here. You just got to find a good person rather than a good man, man or a good woman. Do you sure, know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Like, and that's hard to come by, unfortunately, in this day and age. Extremely tough. <laughs> Extremely. Pro from your, I mean, I guess, stripping career and stuff would be like, you, you have amazing communication skills. Like, I feel like I've been around you when you're meeting new people or you can connect with pretty much anyone at any time. I appreciate um, that. No, like I've seen it like firsthand. If it's, if, it's you, if it's you like giving me advice or just like, you know, talking to my father or my mom, and then like, or it's like you talking to a girl in a club or something like you, you can wear, you can put your shoes, you can, you can put your feet in people's shoes very easily. And I feel like you, you are the king manipulator. Like you make people, you can like make people feel really good about themselves. I feel like you can do that. I think to be honest with you as well, like I've been through a lot in terms of like emotionally, like speaking, like my EQ, I feel for, for where I'm at is quite high, but that's because, you know, going back to, I'm no saint either. Like I was cheated on. No one's a saint though. We're all sitting here and we're not saying. No, not at all. No, we're not, we don't, we don't claim. I, I was cheated on my first three relationships and I would, I would never put a foot wrong, but then that left me jaded and I ended up really hurting a girl and cheating on her. Mm. But then my last relationship, I didn't. So I've, I can see it from both perspectives. You know what I mean? Mm. Like yeah. I've been cheated on. I've also hurt someone really badly by being the perpetrator. So like, I guess at the same token, you know, it's all about growing and developing, learning from your mistakes. And then, you know, one day you meet the one and, uh, you know, I haven't yet, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's out there somewhere. We're all still waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you mean like we're all we're, 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 we're like old? <laughs> what the fuck was that? But like, I feel like Al, like with your life experience, especially yours, like you did the travel for tennis, you've traveled around the world, you've gone through that, you've seen all that stuff. You're like, your soul's like 70 years old. Well, yeah, 100%. And like, you must feel a lot older than your age. Right? Well, mate, and you can talk like that as well because you've seen so much of the world. And we've had yeah. discussions as well, like off the mic and stuff. And, you know, especially with you guys as well, with traveling with tennis, it really does mature you a lot because you travel so much. You see so much of the world. It rapidly, like, gets you going though. Like, Away from your family, like being from Australia, most people don't understand the yeah. isolation that Australian tennis players face. And we touched on, touched on that last episode. Last episode, I know you guys discussed that. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where... I definitely feel like I've matured in a lot of ways, not just relationship wise, but also like through tennis, it's actually helped me mature as well. Right. So yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I definitely do feel like emotionally speaking that I'm a lot more mature for my age. No, no, another, yeah, of course. But you know, yeah. there's different types of intelligence, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I did foundation mass, I dropped it in year 10. <laughs> so did I. Can't put two and two together. But like, you know, one more thing on the uh, topless waitering and the male stripping, it's <laughs> a good topic this is. Um, did you feel like natural at it or like, you know, that would have been weird to just come out of nowhere. And like, I know I'd be like tired of like shitting bricks doing that. But like, did, is that something you felt natural doing or? Well, I think at the time I, um, I was, training a lot so i felt pretty confident in like um you know the, the work i was doing on the track yeah, yeah yeah but still having all eyes on you and everyone around you touching you doing this and that like to be honest when you're a 19 year old kid and you know you, you leave high school and like i was telling stories to my mates and none of them would believe it because the stuff right. i was seeing and the stuff i was living it was just insane yeah, yeah, yeah and right. i would tell them stories about the girls that i'd been with or the things that i'd seen and they'd just be like mate you're talking smack yeah. Yeah. and i'd be like yeah no you just don't you don't get it this guy's living in a dream world <laughs> i was living like a rock star on the weekends and yeah. it was just insane because one of the things I, it was almost like when i finished the show in that in that um distinct environment like wherever you did the show 
you're like a celebrity and the girls are like all over you. Then you go to a nightclub and they won't even talk to you. So, you know, that was really interesting for me to see as well. So going from uh, male stripping, how'd you get into comedy, Loney? Yeah, how'd you bridge that gap? Well, that was an interesting one as well. I mean, good question, guys. And uh, well done, off air. Uh, <laughs> for me, it was actually like, um, I, was, I didn't obviously want to do that forever. I knew that male stripping wasn't my be all and end all. Personal training was like something that I enjoy, like fitness and stuff. I didn't want to do that forever. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I started studying media and then I was just kind of really interested in film and all that kind of stuff. And I'd always been the class clown. And I made a video called Man vs. Metro mm. at the time. It was a Bear Grylls so, parody. My favourite. Yeah. Favorite. It was out in the, in the city in Melbourne. And one day a mate of mine from high school, <clears throat> we just decided to film it. Because he, he directed the videos for you, no? Yeah, so he would, he would film and edit like all the stuff yeah. early on. Uh, and he had like a really good background in like filming and editing and stuff and had all the camera gear and stuff like that And he actually initially reached out to me because I was doing prank calls on my Facebook page just for my mates <laughs> Like just impersonating different, you know celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah. and then um, I sort of wrote the skeleton and the script for man vs Metro Which is just like out most of it was improv But I wrote like the full script and I went to him and I said hey I've got this idea for man vs Metro we should film it but to backtrack we did do one video which was like Adlib at Bear Grylls and camping store but the Man vs Metro video was the first thing that went viral. And um, it, I remember it being the most watched video in the world on YouTube for that one day. 400,000 views overnight. Back in the day though. The day. Like, so this is like, this like, like 2013. I was about to say like that hasn't even like hit so, the internet bubble. Did you get paid for that? Well, yeah, we got paid. So it was on um, my mate Max's from high school's account. So um, it was on like the Prices Productions webpage or whatever it, it was. It's still up there now? It's still up there. Oh, that's dope. So still clocking up views or what? Still clocking up. Still clocking up. Oh, so you're getting a solid paycheck still from that there. Oh, it is. <laughs> He's like, yeah, not bad. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think it's much yeah. because I think um, if it is if it is money coming in, it's uh, you know most of the money comes in early on. Sure, you know sure, what I'm sure, saying? Sure. Yeah. I remember going to bed. I remember uploading it and being like, this is. I think this is a pretty decent video, but I don't think this is going to go viral. And then like I went to bed, and then sure enough, like I woke up the next day, I went to www.youtube.com. Yeah. Lock in, I log in. I'm like this, and like <laughs> it's it's in the it's in the banner on yeah. YouTube. Like it's wow. like the first. I'm like, Jeez. what's it's going on here, I'm like refreshing it, refreshing it, refreshing it. And like, you know, 2013, I was pretty young and I'm looking at it, I'm like, this can't be real. Like it was like 300, 400,000 views, That's like insane. overnight, man. Like I was just pressing the button again and again That's and again. <laughs> yeah, added to the views. Yeah, oh, I, I was walking around feeling like Anthony Joshua for like a week. <laughs> and um, it was just insane, man. Like my life changed overnight. Like people were coming out. I was like, about to say the first, I, I went out that weekend and everyone, I went to this club and like the, that, that nightclub, like the week before, no one knew who I was. The week after that, man, everyone's like, man, Metro. Like, <laughs> everyone's trying to get photos of me and stuff. It was insane, man. Like happened like over like overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how'd you how'd you deal with that like transition like straight away? Like you know you had no get no uh, lead up to that. Like it just like light switch. How'd you deal with that change? Well, this would be an interesting one to ask Kiggs, I reckon, as well, because you've experienced this as well, yeah, like yeah, to yeah. a much, much bigger extent. But your personal experience of it, like one hundred percent. But like you know, I think we should have a discussion about this because for me, I found it quite. Um, I didn't feel worthy of it at all because I've still felt so just, I'm just easy. I'm just lonely. I'm just some, cause it happened like, you know, when I was 23 or 22, I was kind of yeah. like, you know what? I've already, I don't know. I just felt like I was kind of, I didn't deserve it. And then all of a sudden people were coming up to me asking for photos and like, I just, I found it so endearing, man. Like I was just like, this yeah. is insane. Like I can't believe people like actually want to take photos of me. It was, it was just insane. Yeah. Um, but you know, like how did, how did you find that? Because obviously, you know, like when you, beat Rafa at Wimbledon that time. 
like you went from you were already a celebrity but that took you to the next stratosphere when people were stopping in the street did you, did you feel like you were I mean, I guess it's probably you beat Rafa, so you've heard of once. He probably <laughs> felt worthy of it. But, but did, did you know, like, how did it make you feel when people were coming up to you and asking for that? When I was when I beat when I was a bit younger, and I actually came to it like early on. I actually didn't mind it as much. Like when people asked for photos, like I was like, yeah, no worries. It's more so now, like it's just like depends on what mood I'm in on every day, you know. Well, I think the but, difference is. I mean, look, you make people laugh. Like that's like one of the best traits i think anyone can have like humor for me is like so it's so good dude like i feel like i could be having the shittest day but when i'm with you guys like we laugh for like fucking seven to eight hours and it's just like like i just feel good yeah. like so like you just make people fucking laugh bro like look at your face <laughs> like, like, like you can literally just turn and switch on and make everyone in the room like literally like almost cry like that's like i can't like maybe sometimes i can do it babs can do it sometimes even frawl sometimes but like you like you don't fucking light switch bro like laughter bro like that's it's pretty I special you're bro. pretty good at low kicks I I you might even have an avenue in yeah, some like, sort of comedy for, yeah, for instance like i'm in a, if, say, if i'm in a nightclub or something like i just take off my pants and shit that makes people laugh like he can literally just turn it on oh. but i think to be honest man we're all pretty quick-witted guys like we're, like the last last few weeks man like i've laughed till i cried multiple times so, and some of those things have been things that you, know, you said that's it like ridiculous. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, wait, we're gonna keep that one in the house. But like, bro, like you should feel like you deserve it. Like you make people happy, bro. It's right. special. Going back to what you're saying, man. Like it's interesting to hear you say that because you inspire so many people by being an athlete. And you know, I watch you, and I feel the same way as you would when you're saying, "Oh, you make people laugh, man." Like I watch you play tennis, and I'm like, man, like that is so sick. I wish I was that good at tennis. Well, we I wish I could inspire people like out on the court like that. You know what I mean? Because like, you know, it's, it's so interesting that everyone has like a different perspective on stuff like mm. that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We see you trying to do a couple of kicks as four is in, in Pracky. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> shanks over yeah. the back fence. You know what I mean? Like it's just, For sure. Know, like today, like when obviously that kid's there watching and stuff, yeah. like it's a, it's a good feeling. Like Absolutely. it's like keeps you fueled for like, that's why you play. Yeah. Like that guy, like they idolize you, man. You know, and it's, I feel like, you're not deserving it. You shouldn't feel like that because make people laugh is, I think, the world needs more of that stuff, you know? Yeah, so one thing I was going to say though, I think like even like a platform like this is good for people to see like a different side of you, kids, because you're like super funny and you're always like leading like chats and always super funny in front of us doing impersonations or whatever it is. So I think it's cool for people to see a different side of you. Absolutely. Than just on the court, yeah, you know? off the court, 100%. No, I agree. And, um, you know, I've said it like off air many times, yeah. but like, you know, Mate, it's been good getting to know you as well, like off the court, you know what I mean? Because like when I saw you, like I didn't know what to think about, like because I just knew what the media, you know, I'm just like, sure. what, what is this bloke? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, but, but, but like, you know, mate, like you're one of the funniest blokes I know and like, you know, you give us a shirt off your back, like you literally gave yeah. me this off your back. <laughs> I'm wearing this because he gave it to me off my back and like, you know, I've said it to so many people, like if once you, because it's hard for you to trust people, you've told me this off air, yeah. but I feel like once you do trust people, man, like you're one of the most genuine guys I've met. So, you know, it's, it, it's real, it's, it's real, it's real. It's real. Yeah, real, it's real. But going back to what you were saying earlier, like, I feel like now I probably, I don't want to say I feel worthy of like the attention, but I understand what you were saying before about the laughter, because there has been people who've reached out to me before being like, man, like I've been going through X, Y, and Z, like I was suicidal or like my mum was really sick or like I was going through a real dark time, man. And I watched your videos 
and like when I'm down and, and they make me happy and they, mm. they bring me life and stuff. And but that's it, the stuff. And no one sees that stuff usually, you know? Yeah, that's and that, the best. that's what I find the best, man. When, mm. when someone comes up to me and genuinely says that, man, like I'm just like, mate, seriously, like that means the world to me, you know what I mean? Because that's why I do comedy, man. Like essentially when I was a kid, man, like I've always been the class clown because I just hated seeing my mates upset and I'd do anything to get a laugh, man. Like if it meant injuring myself. I, I can relate. You know, like whatever it took, man. Like my mates can attest to that. Like anyone who went to high school with me was say that guy was out of control. Mm. But it's just because I didn't like seeing people sad, man. So, you know, that's why I do what I do. Powerful. Oh, it's really cool. And it's been awesome to have you here for the training block. Definitely, definitely helps having you here. Been good we need to do more of it in the future, that's for sure. Back to you being worthy though. I, there was a story the other night, right? Where someone came up asking for a photo with Loney and they asked Nick to take the photo. So that's pretty cool. Let, let's get, yeah, you, you, let's get Kicks to dabble on that a little bit. So, yeah. I've been the man holding well, the lens I've been out with you time. before in Melbourne and Sydney and stuff and yeah. people have asked for photos of you. It happens occasionally, but I think what's interesting is like what the funny part is. It doesn't <laughs> often happen when I'm really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The guy kind of like pushed Kicks to the side. Like, yo, EJ, <laughs> come here, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But he did say, he's like, I think Curious has got enough tension tonight. So I just wanted to get around you. And he just left you hanging on. But yeah, this, it, was, it was a pretty funny moment. A little bit of darker question I think that I wanted to ask you that you've kind of touched on a little bit off air with me and the boys. Um, how has comedy kind of made you feel in terms of, you know, on the days where you're not feeling so good and you've got to get up for those, obviously as an athlete, we've all had to be, in there, uh, be able to like lift ourselves up. Obviously you're on the big stage. Um, on days you don't want to play, but how how do how do you find that with comedy? Like you know you got a you know room full of you know um, men and women eager to hear you know your jokes and laugh. How how do you g yourself up for that when you're feeling like dirt? Well, mate, this is an interesting question. Hundred percent, really and this is something that I've actually spoken to like off off the mic with with Nick a little bit. We we bond about this a little bit too because like it's I know that my natural aptitude is for stand up comedy, and it's probably the thing that I'm best suited for but I don't like it. Right. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I love making people laugh. I love doing gags, but you know, it's hard because I get so anxious every time I do stand up and like whether it's a good gig or a bad gig, I still get such bad anxiety, man, when I'm walking out like to heavy, stage. Heavy nerves, heavy okay. nerves okay. man. Why do you I just think I put so much I've always been my 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 biggest like most harshest critic. And so, like, I always expect the best. And when I don't get the best out of myself, I'm so hard on myself, man. It's been that way in sport. Yeah. It's been that way in comedy as well, obviously. So you found that in tennis? Happened a lot in tennis. It's happened my whole life, man. So when I go out on stage, I get so nervous, man. I'm, like, always, like, shaking. But as soon as I grab the mic, I'm fine. Right. You know, it's like once you get out there, and you can probably attest to that yes. too. Like, I'm sure you get nervous before a match. Yep. But then you settle in a little bit and you, and you forget, the, you know, the crowd's there almost. Mm. Um, but that was something that I found... I've sort of only realized over the last couple of years because I was like, hang on a second, do I actually enjoy this? Because I'm like, like I love making people laugh, so don't get me wrong, like obviously yeah. it's, it makes me happy and stuff, but I can do that through videos, I can do that through gags. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's one of the reasons why I tried out for SNL because sure. I thought it was probably something that I was better suited for doing the sketch comedy stuff. Yeah, we'll get to the SNL later, we'll touch on that. Still be someone like Will Ferrell who doesn't necessarily do stand up, yeah. but everyone knows is a hilarious guy, yes. you know what I mean? So in a perfect world, that's the kind of um, you know person I'd like to model myself on, on. You know, someone who, not him specifically, but someone who does sketch comedy or TV comedy or whatever, and doesn't have to do stand up as much because I know that I could go far with stand up, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't particularly enjoy it. Right. I feel like I can um, relate because you know, say I'm playing like Australian Open or something, and 
when I like can feel the match, like say from third round or fourth round or quarters one year, I um like I was I knew that I was gonna lose. Like I knew that it was, the match was obviously you know getting to a point where the guy was serving for it, and I was like happy on the inside because I knew that like it was coming to an end. Like all the pressure was coming to an end. All the expectation was gone. Like it, honestly, like for that like week and a half, I'd never felt more darker and more like pressure and like more so anxious, you know, to go out there. But as soon as I lost, I was like the happiest I'd, I was for the week and a half. I was like, it's all gone. Like I can just like be normal. Like you're able to like truly let go of it all. And it's just like the whole, the weight of the world is just like off my shoulders. And I'm just like, I'm actually like inside just smiling that I just lost the match. Like going up to like Murray saying like, well played. And I'm just like so happy. I'm like, I can literally, I just give like Will a hug and I'm coming off. I'm just like, fuck, it's over. I like, can't wait to just like go home and get my like first good night of sleep. But I think that also leads into like you putting in like the amount of effort you had in the weeks or weeks leading up to like weeks way back also obviously like a training camp that we're doing now that people don't really see unless we're posting stuff about it but um but that opens up a different discussion that we were talking about the other day like Frawls and I, I think we're talking about this is about like sport in, in general like with tennis all of the spotlight is on you yes. like people don't really understand for someone like nick in playing a sport like that at a grand slam like that at home the amount of pressure that's on the individual like if you're playing what like you know cricket or footy or yeah you got the boys to back you up the boys to back you up and you've got other people to take the fall but when it's just it's a gladiator gladiatorial sport isn't it it's like boxing it's like you know especially in australia being like probably number one aussie for a lot of the australian opens you played definitely like a lot more expectation like you see sam stows are like being super tough for her like playing at home like she's done unbelievable outside of australia in the grand slams she has hasn't she yeah Best best female best best female ball striker you've hit with off top of your head. Best ball striker. Yeah, like, um, best warm up. Like best ball striker like flat and like I actually and then this is not I'm not just saying this like but Anna Samova like from the back she took like when I was like shaping my forehand and stuff she was just stepping into it and just like clubbing it almost like a half volley like pretty clean. So you're kind of impressed. But, with I mean I've hit with a couple with like before? I've hit with Serena before. Uh, I played mixed doubles with her at IBTL and it was like the most uncomfortable experience for me because like she was trying to do everything yeah. and I was like, I'm better than you. I think we need to touch on this like for the for the people out there, like no, I'm not taking any away, yeah, but like yeah. when I play mixed doubles, like I'm serving two thirties, yeah, bro. It's obviously a different sport. And like, I was like, I thought like she she wasn't like taking all the balls, taking all the middle balls. I'm like, all right, like we got chopped, bro. It was like six two. The general public don't understand the disparity in level between men and women's tennis at the top level. That is done. That is because there are some sports where like the levels in like quite similar. Like golf, I think is one of them. I think that I think the gap. Yeah, they obviously hit off the shorter tees and stuff like that, but. If they do hit off the shorter tees, it's pretty like relative, like you know, relatively competitive. But tennis-wise, like I was deep down, I was like, Serena, you got to get me involved here. Like we're getting snipped. Like let me hit a fucking ball. Like <laughs> fuck you doing? <laughs> I was like, like dude, first game she's serving first. I'm like, what? The, what the fuck? <laughs> I got a fucking cow. Like, what the fuck? I'm like to the ground. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but like anyway, but yeah, Anna Smith probably good, good ball striker. We get back to the question. You got a pretty good fucking clip. <laughs> Shout out the IG, baby. Follow that shit, boy. Still love you, Venus, though. Like, nothing against Venus, though. Um, she might, you know. Back on the uh, the kind of journey for you. So, man versus Metro. Mm -hmm. What kind of, yeah, like, give us a little bit of a rundown after that, like, to kind of now. If you can kind of, like, fast forward that. Yeah, so that, that, that happened. And then, like, sort of people started recognizing me a little bit, which was, like, a little bit, that was a bit spacey for me. Yeah. And then um, I just started doing more sketch comedy stuff. So um, we were fortunate enough, I think the year after that, 
um, we linked up with a guy called Troy Kinney, who's like a very oh, funny, yes, yes. very, very funny stand-up. Channel stand-up. 7. Yeah, very, very funny stand-up comedian. And um, he had a sketch comedy show that he had, like, I think, written or pitched or something like that. And I was very fortunate to be a part of that. And Man vs. Metro was a part of that, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I, we did, I think, two seasons of Kinney on Seven Mate. Um, while I was a part of two seasons of Kinney on Seven Mate. And more recently, I think in 2019, we actually did um, two seasons on Channel 10. So I had some... Uh, chance to do some TV stuff. So did that give you the opportunity also, to, sorry to cut you off, but to give you the opportunity to stop coaching also yeah. and, and just kind of focus on your gags? I think about 2016, 2017, I started doing gags full time, okay. which sounds ridiculous. No, <laughs> but, it was, but it was awesome. Like I was working less, but making more. Yeah. And like, you know, I realized pretty early on that like a nine to five, just I'm not suited to that kind of stuff. I think like for me, I'd have to do something in sales or I'd have to do something where like I'm outdoors or physically active yeah. or gag related yeah. or something like this, you know, because like, mate, I look at some of my friends and, you know, some of my most intelligent, most like switched on mates who are like lawyers and doctors and, you know, they're just, they're just so depressed, man. Just miserable. Like miserable, mate. Like, you know, like not all of them, but most of them, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard yards. That's not easy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's hard because society, like I think, shows like that's success. Like, well, it makes you feel like that is success. Like doing, you know, tough degree, getting like a really good prestigious job, but it doesn't always make you happy. So it's cool that you're like chasing your passion and doing what makes you happy. So that's really cool. The best thing about that also making others happy. I think that that's like what's obviously so like huge about that. That's probably more the reason why I do it, man. Like it's probably the... Thing, the number one thing yeah. man. I love it bro like, I, I love seeing people laugh and stuff taste a little bit of that with streaming and like you and I with that like it's just touching other people and just like you know cracking jokes and talking crap for like six hours you know while gaming or something like it just and then hearing them like you know oh you like brightened up my day or you made me so happy after having such a bad day this and that like that's like why you do it. Yeah, Mate, that's the stuff that keeps me ticking, man. 100% Babs. Like, that's it. So from Kinney, then you went in and hit in, started hitting into the Australian Open, like, you know, uh, com- not commentating, but impersonating, doing yeah. the impersonations. Yeah, so I think, the last, I think the first time I went on today's show was about 2015 with the Rafa Nadal impersonation. Um, Clint Stanaway teed that up, which was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think I st- to, to rewind a little bit to go back to the timeline, <laughs> I started doing stand-up probably the year after Man Best Metro. So the natural progression from sketch comedy, I thought was stand up. So I got into that, um, made like the raw comedy finals. So like, you know, state com- state finals yeah, I guess, yeah. for raw comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went, won like a rising stars comedy competition in Victoria. And I felt like I was like sort of on the upward trajectory, but I think around that time is probably when I realized I don't really like stand up that much. Even- You're just good at it. Well, I just, I just felt like I, I knew that if I worked as hard as like, say a guy like Dave Hughes or Tommy Little or something like that, I'd be in the exact same position, stand-up wise. I knew that. I look at those guys and, and I respect them and I know that they're great stand-up comedians, but I sincerely look at those guys and I go, what do they have that Elliot Loney doesn't have? Yeah. That's good confidence though. It's good confidence, but at the same time, like I, you know, I respect them so much more because I'm like, I wish I had the drive to do what you do. Mm. I just don't have it in me. You know what I mean? Um, I think we can all relate with that with tennis too though. You know, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's something I'm sure you can relate to, Nick, as well, because I, you know, most people have said to you, you know, you'd be number one in the world if you trained as hard as Rafa or you trained as hard as Roger. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I just give respect just because they're like just because they are driven. Like I wouldn't say I respect them like more. I just think like everyone's different. Like for instance, Sitsipas will every single day like do everything, dedicate his life to you know playing at the slams like diet wise he's probably doing yoga he's stretching he's gymming 
everything, right? And I may not be doing that, but I wouldn't say I respect him more because he does that. It's just like everyone's different. Everyone's different. I can understand that as well. I feel like people need to respect that a bit too. Like it's not really respected. It's not respected. It's not. It's it's not like the 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 dedication to have that same routine every day is insanely. No, I mean what I meant was like it's not respected that people don't actually respect the choice that people say. Oh, but like I'm an individual. Like I'm want to do what makes me happy. You know, I'm sure you relate with that. Every single day of my life, I deal with people telling me how to be or how to train or how to hit a forehand or feel like as a 26 year old like i'm financially in a pretty good spot i help a lot of people i have a lot of options i'm healthy um i've got great friends and i feel like that those are my goals growing up like when we were young i wasn't thinking about like winning grand slam and stuff i just wanted to have fun but also right now people don't even really like you're training like a dog also but like you just don't choose to show that all the time you know yeah like yeah yeah exactly like i train a lot like I'd probably drink too much, like, but I have fun. Like, that's when, at the end of the day, I just want to have fun. And I get rinsed for it every day. Like, just because I'm just trying to live. You think those top guys, though, you think they're enjoying it every day? Or there's some days they're just like, I've just got to do it because well, I've got to be disciplined. Okay. I think they, they fuck, first of all, they fucking love it. There's no chance Federer or Nadal or Novak or Murray doesn't love it. Like, if you've watched Murray's um, uh, documentary, he's having phone calls in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. to his team saying, I'm scared to not play. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do without this sport. Like, that's not me. Like, bro, I'm, so most nights I'm in 3 a.m. in a club. Like, I got no qualms, bro. Like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not like calling you guys, bro. Like, what am I going to do without tennis, bro? Like, oh, fuck. They for sure love it. Like, that's just, I love the game, but I'm just not as passionate and driven like they are. Like, they're once in general, like, once in decade athletes, bro. They're also different people. Guys like, Medvedev and City Pass. Bro, he loves it. They love it. You know, like at Labor Cup, bro, like for instance, Felix Auger Aliassime is my teammate on the bench and he's watching, we're watching, I'm, I'm watching Rublev and Schwarzman play, right? And I'm sitting on the bench, like I'm like recovering, like I'm just like sitting on the bench, I've got a hat on, I'm like out of it. And Felix is on his phone running dot points of Rublev streams and I'm just like, I'm like, next thing I'm like, this guy's fucked. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I respect the fuck out of that. Like he's, he's going to, do some amazing things be because good, of that yeah. but i'm like to what extent like you look this is how i explain it right like you got so you got like kyrgios right here and there's like a zverev right so zverev his fun levels are like probably down here but mine are like here right but he has more success in his career so you gotta you gotta pick what you want yeah. do you want fun do you want do you want fun or do you want more like titles it's like but then you have a little balance yeah but I've definitely picked my poison. I At the end of the day, it's like whatever makes you individually happy. I think that's like we just harped on before. Like I'm happier like this. Like you're probably happier doing what you want to do comedy-wise rather than you have to do fucking stand-up. You do that. You would have been miserable. Well, 100%. I'm sure, I'm sure your managers push you into that too. Well, I've got a question for you because this is a question I get a lot. Like a lot of people have said to me in the past, like, oh, why don't you put more, more emphasis on stand-up? You're wasting your talent. Like, do you think you'll regret it? And people have said that to me directly. When yeah. people say the same thing to you, how do you respond? Well, I just say, like, it's my life. Like, how are you going to... How should I tell Frawls how to live his life? Like, I'm not James Frawley. Like, I don't know how his mind works. I don't know what he's going through. The individual day. Like, thing. That but no one, like, it's so easy to just, on the outside of things, tell people what to do. But you, know, you guys know what happened last night in my life. No one else knows about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you can't tell people how to live their life. You can give them a little bit of advice. Like, I, I honestly now, in my, I'll just tell them to fuck off. 
Like respectfully, fuck off. No, not even respectfully. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, should I come to your nine to five and just sit on the sit, come with a little visitor badge and rip you all fucking day? Fuck, I'll be like, that's fucking. I'll go to Woolworths, right? I'll stand next to a cashier and be like, boo, that's a shit scan, bro. Like, you scanned it wrong. You scanned He's it like, yeah, cheers, dips him. <laughs> yeah, cheers, dumpling. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine if I did that. Imagine if you and I walked into the local IG. Yeah, we never done that. To a cash, cashier and just went, boo, you fucking suck, bro. Like, look at you, you fucking low life. You wasting your talent but this is something that's interesting and i can frame this to all of you guys sitting here right now is like you know with tennis and with comedy it's interesting as an athlete even broadly speaking people will tell you like no hesitation how how you should live your life right mm. they're like oh you should be doing this or you should be doing that you should yep. be doing this i would never go to a doctor or a lawyer no, or an not. accountant and no, tell them not. what to do but for some reason, when it comes to comedy, I'm sure it's the same with you guys with tennis, when you guys are all playing and you're well, playing obviously still. Like athletes too. Right. Like so many people come up to me and say, you should be doing this or you should be saying this or you should do this joke here or you should say that. I'm like, man, comedy is subjective, A, for yes. starters. And B, like, have you ever done stand-up before? Do you, yes. do you actually know what, then what are you doing? No. no. That's my point. And we can link this to our boy, Patrick Maratoglu. Like... <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know him pretty well, though. How's that, Padre? I've been on very well. Super good. Super good. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, watching watching a video that you post of us, like, training like dogs and being like, oh, like, you, this, you're not even training hard or something like that. It's like, why would you even feel the need to, like, comment that? You know what I mean? Or, like, we drive past someone that's like, oh, Nick, if you only trained, or I'm sure you've got this too, but it's like, oh, if you only trained harder, you'd be good. It's like, fuck, I feel like I'm pretty good right now, bro. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, on the Patrick topic, I want to go into impersonations, Loney. Something yeah. I, I always ask you to do impersonations, sticking the phone in your face. Loney, can you do this for me? So when did you start, when did you learn that you could actually do really good impersonations? To circle back to that, I think I touched on that a little earlier when the, I was a, like a little kid, like being an only child, like I was always having to preoccupy myself. <laughs> and I think first off, I discovered that I can impersonate my friends and I had a lot of fun with that. I did some gnarly things as a kid. Uh, one of my mates was so scared of breaking up with his ex-girlfriend that I did it for him as him. On the phone. On the phone. Yeah, yeah. and she had no idea. And I was talking to her for about 35 minutes, not knowing all the history, just like coercing her through it. And he was like sitting on the couch, just playing Game Boy or something. I'm like, hey, what is this? But um, so stuff like that would happen all the time. And then I obviously started impersonating teachers and stuff too. Like in high school, I was just impersonating all my teachers. Um, and then I started progressing into doing celebrities and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know why, it's just this innate sort of natural aptitude skill that I have, you know, a bit like um, bit like Kiggs, I guess, with the canon. Yeah, you just don't know why, it's just there. But um, every now and then I hear a voice and for whatever reason, it doesn't take me long, but I just get it, you know. I hear a voice. <laughs> yeah, I hear a voice, there's some demons in here, bro. Like, like <laughs> Connor's just on your shoulder. Yeah, he's just there, he's always here, mate. He'll pop me out. Uh, Conor, Conor McGregor is inside this uh, Crayola Oblongata. He's uh, finding these, these men that uh, are slapping Coronas, but I would like to slap their heads with a left hand uh, straight across the jaws. Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> so, you know, they're always there. They're always rattling around. No, that's good. That's what good. are the celebrities like that you've impersonated? What do they think about it? Yeah, have you had any comebacks? McConaughey, no? Mc McConaughey. Yeah, yes, that was a big, big one. Actually, I completely forgot. He commented on your When did he see he that? Like, he... Uh, it was during his Green Lights book that he released last last year, right? He couldn't believe it. He was in like in awe of it. Yeah, that's, this is a, yes, actually, so he had uh, the book, his book Green Lights, 
which is a book that I read and I absolutely loved it. McConaughey is my favourite actor, hands down. Same with me. And uh, I thought he was brilliant in Interstellar. Great movie. Love that one. Um, but uh, <laughs> shout out McConaughey, mate. How are you, mate? We'll get you on the pod real soon. <laughs> but um, put out a challenge to say, do your best impersonation of me reading an excerpt of my book, Green Lights. Um, and I'll post the best ones. And I did it. And he reposted it. That's and I like, shared it. And uh, he like put a video out there and was like, I just saw someone do an impersonation of me. It was unreal. Like, and I like to think he was think he was talking about me because I was one of the first people to do it. I actually watched all those stories, like no, but not non-biased at all. I actually thought you were hands down like the closest to him for sure. Can we hear? For it? Sure. Can we... I love this one. Ah. All right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, Matt McConaughey sitting on the No Boundaries podcast. With Alex Babinan, Nick Kyrgios, and James Frawley. <laughs> How about you smack a Corolla, Oblongata, Cro, Cro, what do we got here? Cro, corona. <laughs> How about you give me one of these Coronas? <laughs> that is so, so good, good, dude. All right. <laughs> Moving into, you know, obviously like a few of your, um, you got probably like a heap of them yourself, but is there like a single kind of like, you know, over your journey in comedy? What would be if you could like pick one, like your proudest kind of moment or like, you know, proudest biggest challenge, challenge I guess like you maybe overcame? In comedy? Yeah. yeah. I think like for most comedians is bombing, man. Like when you bomb for the first time, because when you first start out, the biggest fear you have is bombing. You're yes. like, man, oh my God. And you get crippled by it when you first start because, you know, you have to do your first five minutes at open mic night. And you don't know what's going to happen with it. You have to test your material in front of a crowd. You know if they're going to laugh or not. I think the first time I bombed, was just the most refreshing feeling ever, man. Were you actually bombed? Yeah. Like, okay. Bombed, bombed. I'm like every comedian goes through it. But the first time I ever bombed hard, I was like, oh my God, the like, biggest weight off my shoulders, man. Like, I just felt so happy. Like, really? Yeah, well, because I put all this pressure on myself. It was kind of like what the kids were saying earlier. Like sometimes like when you lose, it's the best feeling because you're like, wow, like it's not as bad as I thought I was. I wake up tomorrow and the world's still rolling. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of like one of those things and it just makes you feel so free. It was like the fear controls us so much. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize it's not so bad. You're like, okay, if I do bomb again, life will go yeah, on. Yeah, you know what the feeling's like. Yeah. You know what the feeling's like. So that's probably a good thing that I'm happy that I overcame. I'm not really scared to fail anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know, Loney, we you think you're super funny, well, especially I do. What do you think of yourself? Like when you go home and you're sitting there by yourself at home, do you think you're super funny? Like, do you make yourself laugh? <laughs> that's a good you question. You laugh at yourself. That's a great question, man. Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, sometimes I laugh at my own shit. <laughs> and that's pretty funny because I'll just sit there, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm cracked a unit. <laughs> but I think like, we say that a bit too, do you? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Like, to be honest, most of the time, as I said earlier, I'm a pretty harsh critic of myself. So oftentimes I post a video or I say a gag and I'm second guessing myself all the time. But then I go to my mates and I try to find the ones that are most subjective too because I don't want the people around me who are like, oh, yes, man, because they'll just be like, this is great, this is great, it's great. I really appreciate the people around me to say, dude, this joke sucks or like this bit sucks. Course, and then, yeah. you know, then you know. Appreciate the honesty. Appreciate the honesty and I think everyone does. Um, so you've got to get the delivery right though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good point. Like good comedians say funny things, great comedians say things funny. So it's like, you know, most some wisdom right there for all in the delivery, man. It's in the delivery. Like some of the best comedians So like when I like get on the ground and show you mine. <laughs> some great oh physical comedy. Have you seen it? Uh, I mean your physical comedy is actually next level, man. I've seen a lot of comedians. Keeks, give us some impersonations. Uh, <laughs> we'll save it for another episode. Yeah, save it for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is spot on. It's, it's yeah, we do we do tennis impersonations here on this podcast too, and we obviously yeah. all idolise Dylan. You know, he's a huge athlete, unbelievable for the sport. And retiring though. Retiring, yeah, mm. retiring. What just happened last week? He went to my. He actually went to my. Um, but is he retiring? It's or is he? Aussie, it's after Aussie. It's after Aussie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, went to, he, he announced, announced it last week, week though, right? I think yeah. he went on the mic and said something like, "Baby, so I'm retiring now, baby. But uh, you know, it's been a great run, baby, and." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you guys got to see me in action, so that's pretty sick for you guys. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, but shout out to Dilly, you know, like I went to high school with a guy. Yeah, you know him well. Know him well, and mad respect for what he's done for tennis and, uh, and the sport. You know, he's, he's done amazing things. Well, that, so. that kid today got his autograph too. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Kick yeah, signed, signed an autograph today. Right. Stuff that, again, people don't see. And um, he, the kid who asked for Kicks' um, autograph today was disabled. And his bag was signed by one other tennis player. It was Dylan Alcott. Oh, was it? I didn't see that. His idols were Dylan and Nick. So it's amazing. Another thing I want to like kind of touch on with you, Loney, the big loan dog. Um, tough question. Have you ever kind of found yourself crossing a line? Like, you know, to get like, you know, a rise out of people for, you know, a gag kind of thing. Like, or found you like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, or posted that and, be, and copped like bad criticism or something. like. Well, that would have been more intense in like around the last couple of years here because everything you say now everyone's just, someone yes. takes offense yeah. to it 100 percent. it's so interesting that you ask that babs because like i think you know things i've said five years ago i can't say at, like th- now do you, do you know what i'm saying like it's really interesting like going back i look at stuff that i did like five even ten years ago and i go whoa i can't believe i got away with doing that yeah, it's changed so much cru- you would have been crucified crucified man so like there's some things that i do now hindsight being 2020 that i look at and i go man i can't believe i did that but that's that's just part of the the whole like um, shift. I feel like there's been a huge, almost generational shift with yeah. political correctness, and um, you know so I think sensitive now. so sensitive, man. I think one of the biggest issues is um, you know I think equality of opportunity is like really important, but it's become a lot more about equality of outcome. I think in a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. And um, you know what I've found personally, and this might be like a little bit of a contentious statement, but I feel like there's been a lot of minority quotas filled, and I think that's okay in a sense but i think like it shouldn't matter about your ethnicity your code your creed mm. it should all be about how good the content is or how good someone is at their craft yeah. that you know and i think this right. day and age a lot of people are getting a platform or an opportunity purely based on what minority they represent and i, I remember you touching on the, uh, touching on that off off air a little bit a little bit and um i think you know to be honest with you and like as i said contentious statement but this is probably like the worst <laughs> time to be a middle-class white male man. <laughs> but, you know, I think at the same time, I can empathise with that position too because I think these people have been overlooked for a long time. Some of these individuals, some of these minority groups have been overlooked, so they deserve a, a, a real shot. But I think, you know, it should be more equality opportunity-based and not equality outcome-based, I think, personally. Yeah, definitely. I, agree. I think most people think that. I think it's just the media just really, you know, shuns people that speak differently of that mm. and like make it almost to the point where people are scared to speak out yeah no absolutely so it makes it difficult no that's a good point for all like i feel that way a lot like i just i sometimes some of the funniest things i come up with i'm like can i say this and i yeah. I, I actually freak myself out that would happen a lot surely like that would be the high anxiety that you spoke but i kind of like that though because then i know when you come to canberra yeah the first like <laughs> fucking week in my house just constant laughs yeah Bro, I, I couldn't breathe, breathe for like yeah. if we had a gopro like mm. honestly of like our everyday lives and some of the shit we say. Yeah. 
Holy shit. Well, mate, I mean, we need like 24, 24 7 crew. It's so funny. But this shout, is out, a, shout out Encore. Shout this out is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. 24 7 crew. It's because around our, like, because we're so comfortable with one another, whenever we say stuff, we've got no filter. Yeah. But like, all the stuff that I'm like, part the problem though. <laughs> the stuff that I'm laughing at till I'm crying with you guys, I just know I could never say that in public or on stage or anything. But I'm you, just well, like, you don't show your ass to your mum. <laughs> 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 Clip. She's hit you with the tongs. Yeah. <laughs> she's um, clipped it once. Oh, bro, I'm sure she has. But you know, this kind of stuff, it's hilarious. But yeah, as a comedian, man, on the forefront, it's like, wow, I don't know yeah. what to say. Yeah. You know, and that's probably an advantage that I do have doing impersonations. Most impressions are pretty funny straight off the bat. Yes. You don't have to worry too much about the content. And I have a really big advantage in that sense that I just definitely do not take for granted because I know that a lot of comedians would love to be able to do what I do impersonation wise. So it's like having a, you know, an, a one elite shot in tennis that you've got up your sleeve, yeah. you know, like with you yeah, as a serve. Yeah. I look at it like I've got a can on, yeah. like Kiggs yeah. in my back pocket. So if ever the crowd's like really lulled out, I'm like, okay, they might not like this impersonation, but I'll whip another one out. They might like this <laughs> one, you know what I mean? And every yeah. now and then you serve an ace. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's that's the correlation I like to draw there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Loney? Been here doing a training block. What else have you been up to recently? Oh, good question, mate. I mean, I've lost track of the days of the time. <laughs> they all start like merging into one. Like time's gone really quick after the lockdown for us. So fast. Like this last, tw I think three weeks now. Well, I've been in Barrett for three weeks. I think career-wise, I'm probably in the best spot I've been so far. And I think it's like, it's such a testament to that old quote where it's just like, you know, just hang in there, like stick around. You know what I mean? Um, like I've just been around for so long that finally opportunities are starting to present themselves. Like I've just been working at this for so many years. Mm -hmm. um, like I've, I'm negotiating a contract. I can talk about this now. Like I'm, yeah. I'm negotiating some stuff with Channel 9 for the tennis, which I'm really excited about yeah. to be more integrated in their coverage. Like every year I've done yeah. the Today Show, but now to be able to talk tennis and actually like, you know, talk to these guys, that's really exciting. Yeah, I just yeah, spent two awesome. weeks in Sydney doing radio demos too. Because yeah. um, I think for now, that's something that I'd love to get into, like commercial radio, like Today FM or like Triple M or something like that. I would love to do radio because I think for me personally, like I said, stand-up's probably not my favourite thing to do, yeah. but I prefer being funny on the fly and just talking smack like we're talking now, you know? Stole words out of my mouth, yeah. More gags on the fly on the radio for sure. And mate, like any Muppet can be like, one on nine The Fox. <laughs> Here we are right now coming up after Nicki Minaj's Super Bass. Hey! Like it's... You know, it's not a hard job. It's really like, I mean, it's hard to come yeah, out maybe with content. For maybe for me, I think for me, it would be easy because like I'm an ideas man. I love coming up with content, love coming up with ideas. It's like my favorite thing to do. I'm really creative in that sense. And for a lot of people, that's something that I've just come to realize that that's not an everyday skill. No. It's something that I've taken for granted for years and I've only just realized, hey, not everyone can do this. But, you know, that's part of getting older, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of your goals going forward, Lone? Sort of, Circling back to what I just said before in terms of the radio stuff, I love that side of things. Yeah. In a perfect world, I probably like, I mean, I tried out for SNL. That was a big deal for me. Yeah, yeah. touch on that a little bit just for those listeners that didn't know you know, or know the ins and outs. The audition for SNL, which was like a huge show. In, in this, this was during COVID, like lockdown? Okay. Quite live. And I was so excited for it because I thought this is something that really fits for me because like, I don't really want to do stand-up too much anymore. But I feel like with all my impersonation and my accents and stuff, like, it'd be perfect. Like, just stick me in a wig and like, give me a script and I'll just, you know, I'll go off. That so, is so fun. Yeah, so that would just be gold for me, man. And so I was really excited to do that. And that was like an awesome opportunity. But, you know, to 
touch more on that. It was kind of hectic because I had like a bit of media around it. Mm. Like City Morning Herald did an article, The Age did an article and stuff. And now I'm just known as that guy that didn't get SNL. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy that tried out for SNL but didn't get it. And that was sort of what I was most worried about. But you were the only Aussie trying to, trying to get it, no? And the only Aussie ever or what? The only Aussie ever as, as, as far as I know. So, um, you know, that was a massive thing for me. And that, that's how I saw it. Like I was like, I don't really like all this press. I didn't really want all the press, but I was kind of like, you know, um, to just to be in the mix, to have my hat in the mix was huge for me, man, like huge. That's so awesome. that was awesome. But to touch on your question falls, like it's probably more radio now, I think. I've seen the, I've sort of looked at it and I've seen a lot of people in radio now that I know or have met over the years. And I sort of used to see it as like something that was unattainable. But now I know so many people in the industry and I look at, the sort of skill set that I've built up over the years. I'm like, I'd be perfectly suited for radio. Mm. And I know that now, so. I could listen to your voice all day. <laughs> I just want to get into it. I'll be tuning into that station. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Like, just gonna <laughs> be like some country radio stuff. But, you know, I think that's that's probably where I'm at at the moment. But I'd, lo I'd love to do that, man. So. What about prestigious 9As? I, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people out there would would have seen some of the things on Facebook you were posting about it. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Get a revival. That's, uh, I know you guys are all aware of that, but man, <laughs> I went through the ringer with that one, man. Like, absolute ringer. Like, I can't go... Did you, did you explain to everyone, like, all your fans what happened or no? Like, could this be an explanation point here? Explanation, but I, I just don't know how much time we have in this podcast. Okay. Like, it could, it took, could only okay. three hours to explain, but yeah. long story short, like, I had an investor. Um, I don't want to name names or anything yeah, like yeah, that. No, no, that's fine. But, um... It, was, it wasn't pretty. I ended up having to pay him sort of 20 grand. Uh, it, it wasn't good. It didn't, it didn't end up the way I sort of envisioned it. Um, and it was really hard for me to get funding. And that kind of circles back to what I was saying uh, before about the minority quotas and stuff like that. Mm. Like I felt like there were shows being picked purely based on that and not enough shows being picked on merit. And I understand that's probably a controversial thing for me to say, but I know that um, all the things on the Screen Australia platform, which was the government agency that I was applying for to get the funding, like I hit every single criteria and I saw things get funded that did not tick every single bit of criteria. Yeah, especially especially content-wise. Content-wise. And I already had like a readily engaged audience. I had a product that I knew would be co commercially viable if, if I got the funding. And it was just so hard, man, because like, you know, it's, it was difficult for me at the time because I was like, man, if I had like a spare $500,000 or something in my back pocket. Mm. I know I could turn this into like a multi-million dollar thing, mm. but it's just like, it's so hard to convince people, um, you know, with the money and especially yeah. the government to give you like taxpayer, taxpayer money basically to make a show like that. But the good thing is I own the intellectual property. So if I ever want to go back and yeah. create that show, yeah. I have that in my back pocket. I've got all the work, three, yeah. four years work that I put into it. And I'm not going to put three or four years you put into that. Wow. Yeah. Let's, start, let's, let's start having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I was like, I just saw King's and he was like, this guy's just whipping around the testes. It's like, how much? <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, We'll chat off him. This guy's got his papers in the bag over there already. Kicks. <laughs> uh, but, you know, no, but, but in all seriousness, like, I will come back to that at some point. Uh, it was just, you know, that, that was a really hard blow for me to take. And um, I just needed a bit of time off, you know, like for three or four years, I was hustling that, like, nonstop, like, sleepless nights, mm. you know. So I was like, maybe I just need a bit of time to reset. But I know it's still there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good to know that you own it. Like, obviously, like, that's the main main thing here that we're all hearing. That's the main thing, man, yeah. Um, anything that, like, coming up 
you know, you've got stuff. Obviously, the Australian Open's coming up soon, but like, you know, some things that you know your fans are going to see you in coming up, like in a short, short time now. Yeah, I've got. I've uh, been doing, mate. Like I said, career-wise, it's been insane. Like the last um, few months, I've been doing more commercial stuff than I ever have as well. Uh, like I'm doing some stuff for Mosh. You'll see that soon. Doing a gag for them. Scratchets. Doing a gag for them. That's gonna be on TV. Uh, I think mostly online. All this stuff. Right. Potentially like an Uber Eats commercial in the works. We don't know yet. We're, 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 we're still working that one out. We're talking. We're talking, Matt. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's. Uh, I've been like flagged. There's a potential gig coming up with Maccas. That's awesome. So you know, like I've got some really cool like. Um, because, you know, one of the things I love to do is come up with creative concepts for brands like this. And it's probably something that I've figured out that I'm best suited for. Like, it's really easy for me to sit down and come up with, like, 10 really creative out-of-the-box concepts. And as I was discussing before, it's something that I took for granted for ages. And only recently I've had people around me saying, man, not everyone can do this, you know. You can actually charge good money for this, yeah. you know. And it's only something that I've just realized now. Because I used to just do it and then be like, this is easy. Well, I kind of like had, well, Kiggs and I had firsthand, like basically we sat down um, after a training session and I, I kind of had the privilege just to like, I pulled out my laptop and I'm just looking at Loney for like the span of like 25 minutes, got whipped out like 35 gags. Yeah. Like I was just like, like that's not human. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing like while he's doing it and shit. It's like, great. <laughs> I just stopped doing my shit. It was just laughing. But yeah, that's sort of, I'm doing some gags coming up. Obviously this Channel 9 stuff with the tennis, super excited about that. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I'm really passionate about tennis. I'm really passionate about gags and uh, there's going to be plenty of stuff in the works. Hopefully the radio stuff comes off. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm looking for in the next couple of years. Maybe just fill in some spots, maybe get a long-term contract, but man, I'd love to get into radio. That'd be my North Star at the moment, I reckon. Yeah. I think we're all, we all think you. That's the thing, like, it, it, it links into, you know, what Loney does, what, what we all do. Like when they look at him and see him at Oz Open or on a commercial, like they only see like that side of things you don't there's so many like conversations you're having practicing coming up with all these gags for hours and hours which no one sees like and they just like do you know what i mean no one like it's the body of work thing you know i spent uh, i spent i mean like they just see him for like that like small snippet on tv you know but then like that could be a conversation that's been going on for fucking year yeah 100 you know? percent, man you, yeah it's the same thing with the tennis i don't see we, all the work i know that's my point like a lot, I'm sure a lot of stressful conversations with yep. important people, sleepless nights because you're not sure if you're going to get the gig or not. Like, 100%. Do you know what I mean? And it's funny too, man, because it's like I was saying, I've only just really started to probably recognize my value in a way because I've undervalued myself for so many years. So I've underquoted for stuff. And then I've gone to like prospective managers or other people and they've been like, man, you have just underquoted yourself sick here. Like so-and-so charged them like 20 grand here. You charge them two. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, that, I just, that, that big? Stuff like that. There's been oh. huge projects that I've done in the past, man, where I've just undersold myself. And I just feel like that's finally not going to happen anymore because I've had good people around me. I've got a new manager now and she's great. You know, yeah. shout out Zoe Stenmark. Working, working hard for you. Working very hard. You know, and, uh, we all love Zoe. We all love Zoe. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. I've got good people in my corner now who value what I do and, and yeah. respect me enough to go, no, nah, it's time for you to start getting paid what you're worth. And I think that goes for anyone in any industry. You know, you can't undersell yourself. That's something that I did for way too long. I think it's good though to have like managers in your corner though because yeah. obviously you're good at what you do but having to monetize that and be like a good business person as well, like it's not always easy. It's no, it's tough. It's hard, Mick. Well, that's only like athletes and like comedians and like that's only something now like back in the day like like for instance john mcenroe was just like mainly the tennis player like business side of things probably wasn't as it is now you know what i mean yeah we're not even i'm not even an athlete anymore i'm just like a business person like i'm an entrepreneur like i'll just 
dabble in it. Yeah, you're in, de- in everything. In any, I'll be doing everything. But you've worked hard for that, right? Of course, too, of course, right? yeah. This is much as like Loney's you know, slaved for so long. Exactly. To get to but the no one sees that, you know. No one sees the work off the track. Yeah, that's the thing. And uh, and we all know how deserving you know anyone exactly. in that posi- uh, position is. Yeah, and people take it for granted. You know, it's like it's like kids on a tennis court or like me coming up with gags or whatever. They think, oh, like mate, just whatever. Here's this. Here's the money. You can you just do it. It's like, nah, man, it's like, it's not just you see me on the court or you see me on stage. It's like, I'm putting in work off the track to get here. Like, that's what I'm getting paid for. Not the of course. T- I mean, that's, I feel like some people tend to just think like I put my like hand in like, like uh, a fucking bucket with like a list of things <laughs> pulled out pro tennis player. And just all of a sudden it was just there. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't happen like that, man. People don't understand. That's the, that's the biggest issue I have with doing stuff. Like, it's like they go... You know, but you're on stage for 20 minutes or you're doing this. It only took you a day or whatever. It's like, mate, yeah, but like the stuff that I'm doing off the track and the amount of work I put in to get here, like go find someone else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't understand. I love how they'll say like only. Like it's yeah. like that word only yeah. just annoys me so yeah. much. It's like, what's that old that old story about like it was Picasso? You guys heard this one? No. And like Picasso was drawing like this painting on this on the street, like to sketch this woman. And, um, and she was like, oh, this is amazing. Like you're sketching all these women. This is incredible. Like, can you sketch one for me? And he's like, yeah, all right. And then he sat her down and he sketched something up and gave it to her and it's perfect. He did it in like five minutes. And she goes, oh, that's unreal. Like how much is that going to be? And he charged her like a ridiculous amount of money. He's like, it's going to cost this. And she goes, what are you talking about? It took you five minutes. Are you serious? He goes, no, no, no. It took me a lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, it took me a lifetime to get to that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what a quote. That quote. Do they quote that? I think it's something like that. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. It's true. It's true though. You know. It is true. It's true. That's like imagine all the hours you guys put on the on tennis court to get to the level you play at, especially you know being yeah, I mean, like top twenty in the world, <clears> pretty much. Yeah, it was brutal. Like you know, people don't see that shit. They just see like up there in Wimby and like Oz Open, and they yeah. just think, oh yeah. Sick, this well, will be alright. But, they, but they'll be like, for example, like uh, we talk about Kiggs in this because he's he's playing at that level. Yeah. But like, you know, like he plays Wimbledon, comes home, earns a relaxing couple of weeks, like where he doesn't do much. But then like it's not like he, he sits there doing nothing. No, like it's like trying. You know, like he's out there still hitting balls and doing gym, and like they'll be like, oh, you're doing nothing, bro. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, that's like, well, that's just like the small side of things. The hitting in the gym is 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 simple because we know what we like. I know what I have to do on court. I know what I have to do in the gym. It's more just everything else in today's day and age, like business wise, having conversations with like companies, like that never stops. No. Nah. Like from things like to cameo, like it's just like it's just a never ending to the podcast, to the yeah, podcast, thing, like yeah. it's just never ending. Like, do you know what I mean? Sometimes I actually wish I had like the simple life of just like finishing at five and then just like done till like nine. Yeah, you know, that's all I did. Well, actually, this is a question for all you guys. Like, what are you guys gonna do post? You know, your careers. Like, what do you, what are your prospects? I don't know. Probably putting on thirty kilos in Bahamas, <laughs> smoking the biggest fucking spliffs you've ever seen. I'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> No boundaries episode 100 Fuck out of here I'm leaving Yeah I'm done okay. uh, I mean I think we've all You know Maybe not kicks as much Or maybe even you But um, Probably coaching I think that's probably Like the easiest In for us I've done a bit of sales And stuff like that I enjoyed that Because I like to communicate With others I'm plan B too Tennis coaching for sure I think personality wise though we're, we're all four of us. So I think we, we work better just day by day, yeah. not planning anything like that, you know? Because you don't know what will happen. Like, I don't know. I might, you know, tomorrow I might have a career-ending injury or like you fucking might, I don't know, your voice box. We might wake up with this sore throat. You never know what that is. Good, mate. i got so many strepsils. Knocking back 85 streppies. <laughs> like, we, we really don't know where this podcast will go in the next couple of years. Like, you'll probably never, you'll never, have, to, you'll never have to catch again, baby. <laughs> Where the fuck's bag, mate? <laughs>
Well, boys, I feel like we're at a good kind of period where we can kind of wrap this episode up. But, you know, from me, I'm sure we can all kind of touch on ourselves. But it's been an absolute honour to have one of my, you know, one of my closest mates. And obviously one of the, you know, mates I've known longest, you know, in, in the tennis scene. Um, on the podcast, man. It's been an absolute blast, brother. No, man, it's been awesome. Thanks, thanks bro. Laurie. Thanks, Lawrence. No, thanks, guys. Thanks, Lonnie. Hope you stick around for a few more weeks. Yeah, yeah well, mate, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You've got some good guests lined up in the next few weeks, mate, yeah, so it's yeah. pretty good. Uh, it's good to make the cut, I've got to say. Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll see. Pressure's on now. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, appreciate you guys watching the podcast. Make sure you guys get around it on the socials. Give it a five-star, follow it. Uh, we appreciate you watching. We'll see you in the next one, baby. See you, guys. Thanks, guys.